Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship, and I'm here to help validate and support those who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today, I'm going to talk to you about sex. Um, actually, I just realized I could make several different um, episodes just about sex with a narcissist. Today, I'm going to talk about the subtle ways that a narcissist can use sex to abuse you. And it's not the thing that we usually think about when we think about sexual abuse. So trigger warning, obviously going forward in this episode, I am going to be talking about some difficult things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that this is really helpful though, because again, these kinds of things can, are usually more subtle and not readily understood by myself or people who are in these kinds of relationships or society as a whole. First, I have decided that I'm going to start sharing at the beginning of my episode, sort of like healing successes and struggles because as I'm sharing this with you as like since I started sharing my story on Instagram and TikTok and obviously now I have this podcast slash I'm sharing it on YouTube as well I've been healing in real time I've been creating this stuff while I'm healing and talking about this while I'm healing and now I am just a couple days of being one whole year single and I am at about 10 months no contact so obviously I'm doing really really well and also it's not always perfect so I'm going to share some of the things um again that I'm feeling really good about and then some of the things that I'm like oh I didn't realize that this might be an issue for me um, and so maybe that can help you all relate because healing is really hard and we're all on like our own journey here. And I get a lot of questions about like, is it normal that I feel like this or that I struggle with that? And yes, it's absolutely normal. <laughs> so I would say, um, one of my successes is that I am back in Washington now after having traveled for about three months. And this is like, I've noticed that I'm much less like jumpy around the house because in this house where I'm at now, um, I do feel safe. We have a lot of like added safety features, which I'm not going to say too much because, hey, abuser, I don't know if you're watching this, but um, for the first time since I left and came back to this house um, where they abused me at the start of our relationship and they abused me at the end when I was trying to leave and I was over here staying with my son, it was very hard for me to be back here um, from January to May of this year, 2022, um, where we've just been staying and then Again, timeline, I left from May to just a couple days ago in late August of 2022. And during that time that I was here before, I was really jumpy. I couldn't have the window open in my room. I, I was constantly making sure the doors were locked and I couldn't walk out to my car at night. I struggled a lot when I would come home from work because I do work like afternoon to really late at night. Um, and so I would get home and it would be dark and I would be just looking over my shoulder and like grabbing everything and like sprinting in towards the house. And I'm much more calm than I was before. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, I'm in a place where if they do show up, like, good luck to you. You're not going to get anywhere with it. Like I said, we do have some security features around that do make me a little bit more comfortable. But, like, I'm able to have the back door um, open with the little screen thing to keep the bugs out. And, like, you know, my son and I are, like, coming in and out of the house. Whereas before, I would, like, get in here, lock. Get in here, lock. Because... 
one of the things that I, I did experience when I left and they got their narcissistic injury and went into their panic mode was that one morning I let the dogs out like 7 a.m. and they had been waiting outside for me to open the door, knowing that I had to let the dogs out at some point. And as I was closing the door, they opened it and walked right in behind me, which obviously is very scary. Um, I have talked about that before, but my point of my success is that again, I'm feeling much more calm. I'm feeling more regulated and I'm not really concerned 24 seven about them showing up. So that is a huge success. If you're a survivor as well, then you're probably like, okay, yeah, that's really awesome. Or, you know, if you're not there yet, you're like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there and you will get there. I promise. We just got to get in those safe places where our nervous systems can be calm and regulated for extended amounts of time. Right. Um, so a struggle. I was in Mexico City with a very, very dear friend. Um, he was a, a really good friend in college, and I hadn't seen him for 13 years. I met up with him in Mexico City in March of this year, and I was just back there. We were kind of celebrating like a late birthday for me and doing some other things, and we went out dancing. And it was our second night. We went out dancing two nights on this trip, and I was tired, and I wanted to go home. I didn't feel comfortable walking home by myself in Mexico City or getting an Uber because it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I told him that I wanted to leave, but he what, he didn't quite understand that I was like, I'm trying to get out of here right now. Um, and I ended up getting really sad and I ended up feeling like sorry for myself for a little bit. And I was like, there really isn't anyone in this world who's looking out for me. Like this person who I just like trust with my whole life and like love dearly, he's just off doing his own thing. And I'm just here by myself and I'm trapped. It was that feeling of being trapped um, because being trapped was one of the things that I experienced a lot in my relationship, I was often prevented from leaving, uh, trigger warning, obviously, um, physical domestic violence. Um, I was tackled, prevented from leaving, um, kept from my son. There was a lot of what's the word entrapment, entrapment, entrapment is one of my abusers go-to things, not just with me. I know for a fact that they did this with other people. So I just felt trapped in this club you know, three o'clock in the morning, everyone's getting crazy. Like everyone's just making out with each other. And I'm like, nobody touched me. So I was kind of like in a chair in the corner. Like I am not there. I'm very closed off right now. And I was like, don't do this. But I was triggered and I was sad. Um, and we, we ended up, he came and, and, and we walked home together and we talked about it. And I was like, this is not about you. I'm sad about this feeling that I have that I didn't think was going to creep up on me at Mexico city dancing, which is like the thing that I like have really been wanting to do. You know, I love dancing. And it's not something I do very often because I got a little kiddo at home. So that was a success and a struggle. I guess next time I should do it backwards, share the struggle and then the success because we want to really, really hold on to the successes as we're healing because they're so important, whether big or small, each little moment of those, like, awesome, let's do it. Anyway, so let's dive into this subject. Um, every Monday, if you don't know, on Instagram, I post a link to ask me questions or tell me things anonymously, and I respond to them in my stories. This week, someone asked me, and I believe I've been asked it before, but I think I just didn't answer it. Sometimes the questions get messed, unfortunately. I get a lot of them. Or sometimes I've had um, questions that were a little bit too hard for me to answer, and I'll sort of start answering them, and I'm like, ah, I can't do this. And then I forget about them because ADHD to the max. Um, but somebody asked me to share about how my abuser used sex to abuse me. Of course, you know, if I was comfortable sharing about that and I gave several examples, I'm actually going to pull them up because I don't want to forget any of them. But as I said in the intro, quite often people will use sex, sexuality, 
your body, the way you move, the way you are, the way you look, the way you dress, things like that to abuse you. And we don't think about that as sexual abuse because there's one main big horrible thing that we think about. If someone says I was sexually assaulted, I was sexually abused, we're not we're not talking about that. So if you're like, I'm about to get triggered, we're not going to go there today. We're going to talk about the little nitpicky things around sex that an abuser will use to abuse you. Um, so number one, and this is my experience, not all abusive people, toxic people, narcissists are going to be the same way. Um, I do think that this first one is a pretty standard issue, narcissistic, abusive approach to luring you into a relationship as part of that love bombing phase is a lot of sex upfront, hot and heavy, right? So they're coming at you. And I remember thinking, um, cause I had been dissatisfied with like partners in the past. Like we're just not on the same level. Nobody's like on my, without saying too much about me, but like nobody's, we're just not on the, the same page. We're always misfiring. So then I meet this person and this is my first queer relationship. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is part of my like queer awakening. Part of what I'm realizing is like this person's on the same page as me. We're like, like I said, hot and heavy. And so I'm thinking again, as, as you do in the love, love bombing phase with an abusive person is that we're a perfect match. We are on the same page about everything. And obviously sex is part of that. It's also going to be hobbies. It's also going to be your outlook on life. It's going to be all those things because they're mirroring you. But when it comes to this, the hot and heavy upfront sex, they make you think you have an amazing connection and they make you think that this is who they are. This is how they always are. So that's number one. Number two, out of the blue, they're going to cut you off. They're going to say that you want too much. They're going to start complaining about your body, what you do and don't do. They're going to start doing all these little nitpicky devaluing tactics to make you feel way less comfortable about initiating sex with them or about even accepting if they initiate, you're like, ah, I'm a little scared because last time I tried, you said I wanted too much. Well, now you're coming at, I don't know what's going on. I remember being very, very comfortable with them. Like if I wanted it, they were right there. They went out, I was right there. I mean, it was just like, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then within a couple of weeks, I think I initiated it and they said something and I don't remember exactly what they said or did, but I remember being rejected and y'all it's okay to not want to have sex every time your partner wants to have sex. Okay. This is not what we're talking about. We're all tired. We have jobs. We have stress. We have kids. We have things going on. We're not going to always want to, and it's okay to communicate that and say, Hey, I let's try tomorrow. I can't do this right now. Right. We're going to have to face rejection sometimes in our lives, but this was like a very clear, like, hmm, ugh, why are you trying to have sex with me? What's going on here? I did not ask for this. You're asking for too much. Why do you want this all the time? When again, up until that point, it had been a hundred percent reciprocal, a hundred percent. We want the same thing, right? So now you're confused. And now, like I said, they've been devaluing you. Um, you don't act like you used to. You're not as confident as you were when we first met a couple of weeks ago, right? You're not, I noticed like, oh, well, how come you haven't worn lingerie? Well, how come you haven't done this? My ex-wife would do this. My ex-girlfriend would do this. Comparing you to other people, like a little bit like, oh, I don't like, this or that, or, um, if you're on my podcast, I'm gesturing at parts of my body. Cause I'm trying not to make this an explicit episode. Although I think I'm probably gonna have to label it as such anyway, cause this is not for children. Um, so yeah, now you're super self-conscious, right? And now, so now that was like a couple of weeks in for me. And now 
further into it. And this is the rest of the relationship for me might be different for you, but now sex is used as a reward and a punishment. If you're being good and by good, I mean, you're not complaining. You're not, I don't want to say you're not complaining. You're not asking for anything from them. You're not saying, Hey, I noticed that you didn't take out the trash this week. I thought we had agreed that you No, because you're not allowed to ask anything of them. They either do it or you just have to accept that they're not doing the thing, whatever it is. Right? So if you've been good and quiet and you haven't, you know, had any arguments with them, which they're probably causing whatever you, they might have sex with you because now you're being rewarded for being a good little human. Right. And then they'll also punish you with it. So if you do say or do something or look a certain way or act a certain way or dress away or not dress away or whatever, you never know what it's going to be. They're going to punish you. They're going to withdraw. And again, this is not a person who's going, oh my gosh, I've had such a long day. I'm really stressed out. I have this big job or this thing coming up for my job next week. I can't even think about sex. This is a person saying, I don't like the way that you're acting right now. And I know that you equate sex to love because that's what I showed you in the beginning of our relationship. I am taking this from you. I'm going to withhold it for a really, really long time. And every time you ask me for it, I'm going to make you feel really bad. I'm going to guilt trip you. I'm going to make you feel like you're a predator for wanting to have sex with me, your partner. There's a lot of issue here with that. Again, this is not a healthy ebb and flow relationship type thing, because obviously, unlike we're taught in movies and porn and songs and whatever, people don't you can't have sex uh, every day and always be on the same page and, and all that. So I already said this, but they're comparing you to their exes or they're, they're comparing you to yourself. Well, in the beginning, you were so confident. You used to make the movie. You used to do this. Oh my gosh, you used to do that. Well, the last time I did that, you stopped me halfway and complained, or you stopped me and started telling, like, I remember one time doing something that they had asked me to do for them. Like it, there was like this huge buildup, like, Hey, you want to do this? And I was like, mm, I'm gonna have to work up to that. Cause I haven't really felt comfortable doing that. Thing. But okay, here we go. So now I'm doing it and they're into it for a little bit. And then all of a sudden they stop and they start talking about something. I was dancing. I was dancing. <laughs> they asked me to dance for them. And while I was dancing and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. We're getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere with this person who's been withholding all affection for me for weeks now. And this was pretty early on in the relationship. And they stopped me and they're like, I don't remember the conversation, but I remember sitting on the couch and just feeling like, what is happening? They asked me to do this thing just to be like, Oh, okay. As you can see, I do like to dance. If you're on YouTube, I do have a pole in my room. Um, I've started taking pole dancing classes in January of this year as a part of a gift to myself to like try something new, take up a new hobby, express myself, heal all of that stuff. Right. So anyway, yeah, they just like, were like, so anyway, I worked today. I just like, you know, I was like talking to this person and I just remember like listening and like the wheels were turning and I was like, what is this? But there were so many things like this. And I was just like, this is just how this person is. Like, there's just something, whatever y'all, these are little tiny, subtle or covert abuse tactics to just mess with your head. Um, let's see. Okay. Again, I already talked about this. I'm kind of like leading into everything naturally versus like, I'm looking at this post from my Instagram story yesterday, but they tell you, they want you to do things. And then, um, when you go to do it, they tell you not to, um, again, it's just constant confusion, mixed signals. Do you want this or do you want that? You asked for this. Now you don't want it. 
you like you said that you hated that now you're asking me to do it you never know what's gonna come your way um they initiate sex when they see that you've pulled away and then once you give in they stop and make an excuse not to so i can remember feeling very distant from them because i was like i can't ask for sex i can't like just kind of shutting down that part of myself and then they would come and they would initiate it right and i'd be like mm. and then as soon as i'd be like okay i'll kiss you back let's see where this goes then they're they're pulling back because they're like ha ha you took the bait now i'm out i'm done i didn't actually want anything from you but now i know that i can get it you know check um mission accomplished whatever another thing that i ended up adding and this feels queer specific to me it doesn't necessarily have to be queer specific if someone is asking you or telling you to do something and saying, prove to me that you are this or that, this is a big red flag. And here's my example. I was coming out as queer. I had dated women in the past, but I was coming out as queer after being in a, in a straight marriage. And they had asked me to do something to them to prove that I was queer, to prove that I was a lesbian, because at the time I was supposed to be a lesbian. We don't have to talk about my label right now, but there was a lot of abuse around my identity and what I was supposed to identify as. And I did talk about this um, in June. I did some queer specific episodes because I am queer um, and because it was Pride Month. And so I did kind of talk about that. Like your identity is your identity. No one else can define that for you. Um, you know, if a partner comes out and you are willing to explore what this means for you, good. But no one else can say, because I'm this now, you can't be that. That is for you to decide. That is for you to feel out. Neither way is wrong. It's a big change for everybody when someone, you know, is able to come out as non-binary or transgender. And like, obviously, that's a, an amazing thing for them. It's between y'all to figure out what your relationship is going to be like from that point forward, right? But my point is no one should ever be saying, well, you say you're this, prove it. That is abuse. That is, I don't want to say assault because I did it willingly and I, it wasn't like this dramatic physical whatever, but you have to understand that this is a horrible manipulative way to I, I can't even find the words for it. It's not okay. The other example that I used was like, if, so if you're bisexual and you've been dating women and a man says, come over here and do this. So that I know you're not just into women. Come prove it to me by doing this. That's not okay. You're going to feel pressure to do it. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, like, okay, um, sure. That's not okay. It should be more of a conversation like, okay, so you said you've been dating women for the past 10 years um, you're on a date with me. So obviously you're still attracted to men. Like, is there any, like, tell me about who you are. Tell me like, I don't know. Cause I've never really been in a healthy situation where someone was like wanting to know about my preferences and whatever. Um, but it's definitely not okay to do that to somebody. Um, again, like I was dating, like pursuing someone who presented as female at the time like that, that itself means that like, I'm attracted to you and I want to, you know, whatever. And so it's just very jarring to have someone be like, Hey, get over here and do this because I need you to know, like, whatever. This is a little bit of a weird episode because I feel like I'm telling a lot of like deep, dark things about myself and like what I've done and not done. I'm like, we're all adults here. So, you know, whatever. 
I don't know. But I hope, oh, I know what else I was going to say about sex and subtle abuse. Somebody also asked me if it's abusive to tell someone that you don't want to have sex with them until they go to therapy. And my answer was something like, again, I talked about the reward and punishment aspect of sex. So it's all about intent. So if we are partners and I am having sex with you as a reward, pulling it away as a punishment. And I say, if you don't do this, I'm not going to have sex with you. If you do this, I'll have sex with you. Blah, 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 blah. That's abuse. However, if you've been in an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship, or you're just unhappy, or you're not feeling connected and you're not feeling close and you clearly communicate and say, just so you know, I feel uncomfortable having sex with you. It's very vulnerable. It's very intimate. I don't feel safe sharing my body with you and letting myself go and enjoying the moment because I'm so stressed out about our relationship. So until we're both in therapy and I can see that we're both actually committed to therapy, we've got the, you know, we've got it in the books. We're talking together. We're reflecting, we're noticing changes. I cannot have sex with you. That is called a boundary and a boundary is very healthy. And the other person should be able to say if they're healthy, okay, I don't like it because sex is really important to me, but you're right. If you're not enjoying it and we're not connecting in that way, then I don't want to do that anyway. I don't want to make you do anything that you're uncomfortable with. Let me call my therapist right now and get back in with them. You call yours. Let's do this. Right. But if that person's like, you're abusing me, you're withdrawing sex from me. That's not fair. Um, you can't do that. Forcing you, pressuring you, that's coercion. And that is also abuse. So I know that I just said a lot and I'm like, this is abuse. That's not abuse. This is a boundary. That's okay. That's not okay. I know that this was a lot to listen to. And I talk really fast because I had a lot of caffeine today and I'm also in a good mood. Um, but I hope that that was helpful. Like I said, I could definitely do another episode about sex. Um, I think that I want to talk about why we all think that that toxic sex was the best sex of our life and how it really isn't. Cause I know a lot of y'all are like, okay, I'm done with this person, but the sex is so good. I'm never going to find sex like this again. I can tell you right now. Yes, you will. I don't want to say too much more. I think I'm going to go ahead right now and cut this off and, um, record that episode for next week. So I don't forget because these two things just go hand in hand. It's just another form of abuse around sex. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, let me see. What do I need to tell you for upcoming events? Um, the webinar that we had last week about why can't I just leave is over. So I'm not going to obviously share about that again. The webinar went really well. It was my first time being a part of a panel. Um, it was all abuse survivors and we were interviewing the author of this amazing book called why can't I just leave? It was such an honor to be a part of that. The next big event that I have coming up is going to be in Austin on October 15th. There's a whole group of eight of us creators that will be in Austin. We'll be doing a face-to-face -face meet and greet. That's free, but you do, but I believe you do need to have tickets for. And then all of us are offering one-on-one -on -one coaching face-to-face. -face. I think we have like an hour, 30 minutes and 15 minutes where you can sit alone with us. Lee Hammock from Mental Healness will be there. Ben Taylor from Raw Motivations. They're both self-aware narcissists. I think Lisa Sunny will be there. Uh, myself, I am not doing well because there's eight of us. I think, 
I can't. I will circle back next week. I will tell you who all will be there, but I will start sharing that information in my Instagram stories. Um, I have the link in bio and things like that. It's definitely going to be something to take advantage of if you're in Texas and can get to the Austin area. That's October 15th. I'm also hosting a trip to Greece next August, 2023. So it's a year from now. It gives you plenty of time to save up. You can make payments. So it's not like you have to do this huge chunk. We'll be doing um, Athens and Santorini. Um, you just have to have it fully paid off 60 days before the trip. All this information is on my website. It's on my Instagram uh, link in bio. I have a highlight about it. The first 10 people to sign up do get an early bird discount. Um, I'm pretty sure like as it gets closer to time, a lot of people are going to start signing up. It's really early on right now. So people are kind of unsure about it, but it's going to be a safe place for queer folks. It's going to be a safe place for survivors. I would like it to be women only, or at least not cis men, um, just so that we're all feeling our safest and we can feel like we can all connect as a group and everything like that. That is my goal with hosting this trip. And my hope is that if it goes well, I'll be able to do this more often so that you can come and meet me, hang out with me, hang out with some other cool people, um, who are hanging around on my platform and just offer, create a way for those of us who might otherwise be afraid to do those kinds of trips to get out there and do it. And if you follow me for more than five minutes, you know that travel is just, I love it so much. So if you're interested in that, again, links in bio, check it out. I will keep talking about and sharing about these things so that you don't miss any opportunities that you might want to be a part of. Thank you so much, everyone, for hanging out with me for 25 minutes today. I appreciate your time so much. If you like this episode, if you like my podcast, rate, subscribe, review, YouTube, you as well. Um, it really does help to get this information into the ears of those who need it the most. And y'all, let me tell you, there's a lot of people out there who need to hear what we, what us survivors are out here talking about. So please again, rate, review, subscribe. I am so thankful that you're here. And if you want to see more from me, I'm most active on Instagram. I am the Lindsay Goodman on Instagram, TikTok, all social media. So I will see you all later. Take care.